0: I am Fathery. This is Dave. And I am Brian. And this is the text track in shitty French accent. <laughs> okay, we can stop with that.
1: <laughs> Engage.
0: Welcome back to the Starship, Texas, for the 95th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we talk all about Star Trek all the time. And tonight, we're talking about Star Trek Picard Season 1, Episode 5. We will not continue with the horrible French accents that nobody wants to hear. And if there's anyone who's actually still listening, we'll cut that out right now, so don't worry. The, you know, uh, anybody who's listening on audio cannot appreciate that Father is wearing an eye
1: patch in perfect imitation of, of infiltration uh, action figure Picard. Yes.
0: Assuming they, like in the 90s, make a figure of it. That would be so cool if, like, the Kenner toy line came back just to make... This or no uh, playmates. The, uh, I'm just thinking of the other Star franchise. Sorry, if play the Playmates toy line came back just to do the uh, infiltration Picard, <laughs> free you know, cloud Picard. I want that toy. Funko will probably do it. They'll probably make a pop of it. Oh, they make a pop of everything. Um, but yes, this episode Stardust City Rag. Uh, the I guess halfway point. We are now after this episode halfway through Picard season one. Oh. Uh, That's
1: cool and yet sad. (laughs) Cool, cool, and that they also, like, they made it this far and uh, the show's clearly a success. They haven't dropped their ball in any big ways, you know, like minor complaints here and there, but, uh, but, uh, they, they're, they're doing it. But we're also closing in on it.
0: Well, we're each just gonna give a quick, uh, opening statement and let y'all know how we, feel about this episode, just our general impressions, and then we'll go into incredible detail to break down all the rest of it, and, uh, I'll change things up and go first this time, and, uh, just my general reaction to this, uh, this episode probably has more of its own identity than anything we've seen on Picard so far, and this episode went both very, very dark and very, very fun, and kind of a, a weird way which (laughs) might be a little bit of a a a tonal inconsistent type thing but for me it overall it worked Uh, i had a, a good time with it and i did question some of the the darker sides of it but the show did a good job of putting in justifications and explanations for that enough that i was still able to uh enjoy the ride through those those valleys of of dark grimness, and uh, I, I came through at the at the end of the ride, uh, happy with the experience. Who's up next? <laughs> uh, Dave. Why don't you go last, and we'll let Brian <laughs> go next. Very dramatically uh, put. Yes.
2: Um, I really like this one. Uh, it, I I know I keep saying that. It kind of feels like each one is like, oh, this was even better than the last one, which is a great. TV show to be watching where everyone is better than the last one. Else. That was
0: Fathery's uh, Discovery approach. Yeah, that's yeah. how Discovery Season 2 was largely for me, mm-hmm. up until they dropped the ball at the ending. When <laughs> everything didn't tie together like I wanted it to. But uh yeah, I, I
2: I thought this 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 episode left me just kind of stunned emotionally and intellectually at the end. I was like Whoa, I gotta, I gotta sit down and think about that for a bit. That was a, whoa, like yeah. a roller coaster.
0: I, I didn't mention that, but I was for sure shaken at, after watching the end of this episode for yeah. like the next like day. I was kind of like, that's all I could think about was like the, the impact of this, this ending.
1: <laughs> and I, I, I have to ask, are y'all just basically talking about like what happened with Dr. Gerardi and, uh, Maddox? Or are yes. you talking about Seven of Nine or both? Uh, the, for
2: me, mostly Seven of Nine. Yeah. Um, and,
0: and uh, Yeah, mostly her. Same here. And it also worries me because they did a great job setting up this mystery where I'm just overwhelmed and going, oh my god, I have to know what could this be? What could the explanation for this be? And it worries me because I know a lot of times TV shows in this modern era are better at setting up the uh the mystery to, to keep the audience invested and they draw that out and then often have a shitty payoff. Right. The, and they really need a strong payoff for this or I'm going to be yeah. very disappointed. So I'm, That's true. I'm worried about that. Uh, but hopefully the show can pull it off. But, but Dave, what was, what was your take on this?
1: Um, I can't remember. I think last week I think I had somewhat mixed feelings. This week I have mixed feelings as well. Um, I, um, I think that there was a combination of, uh, like, on one level, I actually really liked that they did an episode that had some lightness to it and reminded me of, in ways of classic TOS episodes, like A Piece of the Action or Mm -hmm. Trouble with Tribbles, where they were not afraid to kind of have some fun. Uh, that, um, my my issue was actually less the tonal disparity, you know, with, like, torture scenes, which was a little weird, uh, and, and more that I sort of felt like... Some of the things in it f- didn't feel super trekky to me. Uh, the station or the, the the planet that they were on, Free Cloud, um, f- reminded me almost so much of some of the, the different locales in, say, the video game Mass Effect um, that that kind of weighed on me. I sort of like... I didn't like Seven becoming a, a vigilante. Just seemed like kind of, to me, an uninteresting development for the character. Like a kind of an easy crowd pleaser sort of twist. Um, and I, and I thought that the villainous of the piece was a little cartoonish. So, so like when the end of the episode, I think the stuff that kind of weighed for y'all and kind of like maybe in a positive way in, in the sense that you were turning it over in your head, I was kind of turning over in my head in a negative way. I was like, eh, I don't know about that. Um, so yeah, I just, I know that I kind of had a sort of downbeat feeling about it most of the rest of the day. So that's where I am. And uh, the rest of it will work out as we're talking through it. All right, Father, are we going to go ahead and do the uh, summation of the
0: episode here? Yes. So I'll give you the short answer. Uh, this story opens where the last one ended, with Seven of Nine meeting the La Serena crew. And now that they're arriving at Free Cloud to get Bruce Maddox, who is actually there, they find out he's in the custody of a crime lord named Bajazel. Seven of Nine offers to turn herself over to her because she'd be a valuable commodity since she's full of Borg implants that can be sold on the black market. But it turns out Seven of Nine has some history with Bajazel. She was out to get revenge on her because she is responsible for the death of Voyager character Ichub. And in the end, the La Serena crew do get Maddox, who explains that Soji is on the Borg Cube, so Picard now knows to go there. But Seven of Nine goes on a murder spree, killing Bajazel, and with a big twist, Agnes Girardi murders Bruce Maddox, and seems to be in on the Romulan-slash-Federation conspiracy about banned scents, and probably the Mars attack as well. So the mysteries thicken, going into episode six next week.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Father, you didn't say it was a heist episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I didn't, but it certainly is. Uh, but we will talk about that now that we're giving oh, yeah. the, the long answer. Oh, okay, right. We're we're pretty much just going to go through <laughs> things scene by scene and, and discuss what happened with more detail. So let's just start things off with the uh, flashback mm-hmm. for a show that loves to open on flashbacks every... Episode other than the first episode kicks off with a flashback before the title sequence. Well, as Trekkies, we want to know what happened between Nemesis and
2: this. So these this is awesome. We we want to know all
1: of it. And by the yes. way, that first episode did, although it was a dream, it was a sort of flashback type of dream. Yeah. So it kind of still
0: functioned in that role. Mm-hmm.
1: Um For but sure. yeah, yeah, like um so we are how far back?
0: Thirteen years. Thirteen so this years. is the year after the synth attack and probably Very shortly after the destruction of Romulus, and we see the seven orbs on the planet Virgisine, whatever that is, uh, just kind of a weird exotic location, Mm -hmm. but this is where we got one of the things that was on my wish list of things I wanted to see this season, which included Surprise returns of known characters. (laughs) I wanted to see people I knew from past Star Trek show up, and I wanted it to surprise me. I didn't want to know about it ahead of time. This was very
2: surprising. Yes.
1: (laughs) I,
0: I of course, was uh, not surprised at all,
1: because I don't know this character. I haven't gotten that far in Voyager, Um, but I was able to infer enough. Uh, Certainly, the scene itself explained who it was. But
0: this character is... Uh, Icheb who was one of the board children rescued by the USS Voyager in the Delta Quadrant, and is the one who remained on the ship and uh, seemed eager to become a Starfleet officer one day. And I think in a lot of the novels and video games and stuff, they actually did that with the character. Hmm. So it was cool to see them do it here, and also tragic to see that they end his life. Yeah, in the basically the worst way possible. Uh, yeah. Not quite tortured to death, but tortured to
1: the point of death, and then mercy killed by a
0: friend. Yeah, it was it was so violent and it felt a bit gratuitous and unnecessary. I see I I was like I loved
2: it. I mean, I love to hate it. It was horrific. It was disturbing. It scared me. It upset me. I was angry, but that's what it was supposed to do. I, I came away saying each got a much better death than, than data did. So
0: <laughs> it, it definitely had a lot of impact being that this happened to a character that, that we knew that was established that we had history with. Yes. And it, it made me sad. Like it, I felt yeah. the way that the, episode wanted me to feel about it. Yes. Last
1: time we saw... Y'all saw this character, he was like... What human age would he be, roughly?
0: Oh, like 18,
1: probably. Okay.
0: Yeah. And I'm not even
2: that much of a Voyager fan. It's my least favorite Trek, and I usually just rag on it. But I was
1: still very moved by this. Well, certainly there's no doubt that, you know... Horrific uh, torture experiments have been done... Continue to be done... uh, In in world history and throughout the the present world... Um, it did seem a little gratuitous in a slightly, I'm going to say Hollywood way, maybe, of the person being kind of casually chatty with the person they're pulling out implants of, clearly without anesthetics
0: and stuff. Where's um, your cortical note at, buddy? <laughs> yeah, that
1: was over the top.
0: That that did bother me.
2: I, I was like, oh, more continuity, more Easter eggs. I'm glad that they mentioned the cortical n- node from, from Voyager. Well, but, but he doesn't have one. He donated his to Seven of Nine. Oh, I didn't so, even put so that So that's together. a reference to the fact that he's missing a kidney yeah. so to speak. So
0: they're like, they're, they're, they pull out his eye and they're digging in his head for like no reason. They're like, oh, yeah. this cortical node isn't even, I didn't even think of that. And yeah. that
2: just reinforces, oh yeah, he donated his cortical node to save Seven of Nine, which makes the moment that happens when Seven comes in even more powerful <laughs> and tragic when you realize, yeah, this is the person who gave her a kidney. So <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, she wouldn't be alive without him, and and she, I picked that up from somebody else's review. But again, yeah. I wouldn't have known it. They they had established, you know, that they did have like this family like bond, mm-hmm. and it, it did feel like a little forced when when she says to him like I'm sorry, my child." But that was to like you know let the audience know who wasn't familiar with that history. Yeah, um, they yeah. had to convey that somehow. And if they had Seven of Nine go on this like revenge plot in this episode. And ha- if they hadn't like sold me on, on her, her anger, yeah. I probably would have been like, you know what they should have done? They should have used the existing canon, brought back Echeb, killed him, and then used that for Seven of Nine's motivation and I would yeah. have bought it. Yeah, like I, I, I could totally see myself saying that if they had done anything else other than this.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, this was an extreme scene, but I think we needed an extreme scene to get Seven to where she is in the rest of the
1: episode. Let me quick ask, as someone who hasn't seen the tail end Avenger, uh, of of Voyager, uh, don't mind spoilers, of course. What, um, what, how does Seven wind up at the end of that? It's like, like, kind of what's her, what's she like? Is she still personality-wise close to the way she was when she was
0: introduced? Which, for the was most part, part yeah. you know that kind yeah. of
1: data-like, but a little bit harsher. Yeah, like
0: like like she's like ninety percent the same character. She does have like a, a a pretty substantial arc, but her behaviors don't radically change in any.
1: And what's her what's her way? role
0: that she serves on
1: Voyager? Like as far as systems and all that. She, and like, what's her job? She kind of becomes
2: a, a science officer, effectively. I yeah, mean, I mean, they I mean, don't like give she, her
0: that title. But. She mans the uh, the astrometrics lab and. Yeah, okay. her, Um, yeah, yeah, astrometrics. I think it's, and that's, that's what I would have kind of surmised. I think that's why I was sort of disappointed
1: to see her go off and become a, you know, like a maki. It
0: it totally works for me a hundred percent and I'll tell you why. mm -hmm. Because they explain in this episode that she did reach that point where she was like hopeful and heroic and that, that arc that she was started on in Voyager came to fruition in the, the gap, in like this 14-year gap that we don't see. And because they took the time to dot the I's and cross the T's and do the stuff yeah. like that, that I'm, I'm completely sold on her, uh, this Finris Ranger thing that she's doing. And I also want to really compliment the uh, creative talent in this episode. It was written by Kirsten Beyer and directed by Jonathan Frakes. Just in this, uh, this opening teaser, the... Flashback with Seven of Nine, and then the flashback we're about to get to with uh, Bruce Maddox on Free Cloud. Uh, there were so many ties to continuity in these two things that when uh, my girlfriend and I were watching this for the first time, and we got to the title sequence, I said, uh, "I'm wondering who wrote this? Who on this writing staff would would use all of this continuity?" And I was like, "I bet it was Kirsten Buyer." And then after I said <laughs> that, like her name flashes up on the screen. I was like, "That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool to." guess that. Uh and this episode is full of a bunch of gorn eggs as we're calling them now that, that we'll get to later. But I mean this is someone who wrote Voyager novels mm-hmm. who like intimately understands these characters Seven of Nine and Ichab. They've like lived in Kirsten Byers head before uh, and and it is it is sad to see Ichab killed here and not be used like some of, like those novels have used them or Star Trek online. Uh, has, has used them, I believe. But, if they didn't bring him back to kill him, they were probably never going to bring each other yeah, back. Yeah, this is the best ending. <laughs> I mean,
2: a lot of other characters just vanish in, in, throughout, you know, Star Trek and franchises like
1: this. Um, I, I don't know if I quite buy the argument that it's better to have somebody tortured to death
0: than to not have them at all. Um, no, I, but I'm saying but, like we weren't going to bring them back for anything else. So if yeah. you have like a role here to use them, it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't hurt to use this, them. Here. This is definitely
2: a a, a use that pr- propels the story and and ca- acts as a catalyst for everything else that happens. It, it is a meaningful uh, sequence and scene. Um, I think
1: if I had been on board the scene, I'd probably agree. But as it was, uh, it feels it can't help but feel like a waste. And ironically, I don't know anything about the character. <laughs>
0: Well, that's why it works for me because it did have like that. you uh, would like it grabbed me by the heartstrings. Yeah. Right? It made it made it made me want to go get revenge. Yeah, um, did... and it, it made me it made me uh, understand Seven of Nine's motivation and and her. Mm-hmm kind of continued change in personality. As far as,
1: uh, like, yeah, the, the the role it serves in the story, I do think, you know, obviously it, it functions very well in that role.
0: Now, yeah. after this, we get to see another yeah. character return with Bruce Maddox on Free Cloud in the, the two-week prior flashback.
2: And, and in both cases, they didn't get the original actors. I was going to ask yeah. if
0: that bothered y'all, because uh, I at first, like, I didn't recognize each of them. I was like, I think that's each of them, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah. And then, like, I found out later, it's like, oh, yeah, they didn't use uh, Manu into... In Tirami, I believe how you say his name, which I really wish they would have used. Partly because he follows me on Twitter, and I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also because why not use him? Is he still acting? What's he up to? Um, I'm I'm not sure, but I, I guess we can't know behind the scenes. Like if if they might have yeah. even gone to them and, well, and like, maybe I, not I, wanted. No, um, I, I, someone told me actually. Now I did hear somewhere that like he he did audition for this. So, wow! And and they said and no. they didn't hire him. They're not good at being you. <laughs> that, that, wow. <laughs> Well, I, mean, I mean, it like, wasn't, like, the hardest,
2: most complicated scene ever to play. I mean, there's a weird it's question, or
1: there's a weird thought, but, like, is it possible he gained weight? Doesn't look the way he did then, just kind of looks a little too old. They just, you know, the Borg, you know, uh, stuff is supposed to have preserved him more. Uh, yeah. They didn't have these problems or, with you.
0: Or, like, they work with, like, some other agency that they have, like, an agreement with yeah. to get certain actors at certain rates or something like that. Now, um, Melinda Snodgrass
2: actually knows what happened to the Maddox actor. Um, he's being... uh, the writer of Measure of a Man, which right. crea- the creator of Bruce Maddox. Right. Um, she posted that uh, he's based, I, I, He's at a big university he... as the head of the drama
1: department
0: yeah. there. Yeah, he's a, a teacher now. And at first, I, I thought that this might have been Helm because like when I saw this guy with a beard that they're calling Maddox, I was like, oh yeah, he has a professorial look to him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, then like after the episode, I learned that uh, no, that's not Brian Brophy, the original actor. I,
2: I kept thinking, I don't think it's him, but they've got his. They've changed the hair so much. I'm not, and I'm, I'm and he's aged so much. It's hard to say. I, I absolutely thought that was the same uh, Ichab until I saw the read looked it
1: up online and found that it wasn't. Given yeah. how key Maddox has been to this whole uh, the plot of the this whole first season, it does seem a little odd to not bring in the original actor if that was
0: an option. I suspect. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't yeah. act anymore.
2: Yeah, he's probably. Uh, it, he just... If it's in the middle of the school year, he probably does not have the opportunity to to come off, come out and be Maddox. Yeah. So. What did
1: they need him for a week? He could done. It. He could have knocked it out.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe he didn't You'll want let me to.
1: down, Maddox. Yeah. maybe he didn't want to. Yeah, that's, no. that's what I'm saying. I don't but, know behind the scenes, but but it, I do
2: think that if the Echib actor, the original, actually applied, then what the heck happened there? <laughs> that one's far harder. To we
0: receive. also need to talk about how Melinda uh, Melinda Snodgrass mentioned that she never got contacted for to receive royalties for the use of Maddox. Yes,
2: she said that on Facebook that she kept saying, "Well, I, as far as I know, they're not using Maddox. Nobody's sent me my check all the way through and I thought maybe she was lying just to to, to set up the big reveal that Maddox is in the series." But then, after he showed up, she posted, "Yep, they owe me some money. I've talked to the Writers Guild, and they're going to be—they're going to make sure that I get my check." So, okay, so, so right now like it's still in limbo, but hopefully we'll. She definitely out. sounded it, mildly miffed. That it, they, it sounds
0: <laughs> like the, the grievance process has been initiated. Yes, so, uh, Alex Kurtzman and CBS—you uh, do the right thing and pay the lady. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we'll uh, go ahead and uh, move on to after the, the title sequence we get uh, Seven of Nine and Picard in like their first true scene together other than uh, you owe me a ship, Picard. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, this is the the moment that we saw in the trailers where they're at the, the chateau. We didn't know it was a hologram at the time. But th- this is the first time we see like the, the two most famous ex-Borgs in a scene together. Yeah. I did think... It was
2: I, I, if, when when Seven showed up last week. I thought oh, they've made her Borg implants look much darker than they used to be. They were very silvery in the in Voyager, and now they're a very dark dark steel gray. And but then after seeing this episode, oh, because Seven of Nine is much darker than she used to be. That I like it.
0: I approve. <laughs> She's gotten darker. <laughs> Uh, we also get some some exposition here that kind of explains a little bit more about this, uh, this new era of Star Trek. Uh, Picard mentions the Fenris planet, and we get to learn a little bit more about the Fenris Rangers. They're kind of a vigilante group who took over the Neutral Zone area after the fa- fall of the Romulan Star Empire and the fall of the Neutral Zone. This is where a lot of uh, chaos and lawlessness has been running amok, so... Uh, Seven has has joined up with these Finrus Rangers to go and and uh, bring justice to a, a untamed wild part of space. And like
2: the other, the big superpower from the Gamma Quadrant, the big super uh, the per, the the renegade from the big superpower of the Delta Quadrant, values order and sees the chaos and disorder of this area of space to be a problem.
0: Yeah, she she still has like that bored personality. Which I always loved that Voyager. Left her uh, c- like kind of Borgish in her like mentality and her thinking, yeah. um, and kind of like they did like the infinite diversity and infinite combinations thing. Yeah, so that's, that is a cool way of of lensing this to see some of that carrying over into this seven mm. of nine, who's a uh, pretty different. Like like the seven of nine is like yeah bourbon straight up. Which right. by the way, it always irks me when people order drinks like that in movies and stuff because no one ever says <laughs> like give me a bourbon straight up. Uh, but. Uh, Seven of Nine and Voyager, like, couldn't drink because, like, her implants made her get, like, super drunk off of one glass and champ of champagne. Like, in, like oh, in Timeless. I, I did not know. Uh, I'd forgotten about yeah, that. <laughs> I guess but, she was ready to get super drunk. Well, no, I think she's adapted. Like, yeah. word tend to do.
1: Okay. You know, uh, and, and the Fenris Rangers are clearly a little controversial because, like, m- throughout the, the, the rest of this episode, the episode, the rest of the members of the crew uh, all sort of comment separately at times, on approval or disapproval, with Picard, I guess leading the way as the kind of moralist who finds their vigilantism troubling, and Raffi, uh, who seems to kind of more openly endorse them.
0: Um, I think
1: uh, I can't remember where Rios stood. I think he kind of was. I thought Rios somewhat... liked
0: them too. Yeah, I think they, he was a little they, more they on board as pretty well. Pretty positive. Yeah. I did like that scene of them talking about like, oh, do you know who that is in there? Like, uh, oh, she's she's that Ranger, the X Borg from the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> I like that. A lot of these. Characters who've done all these cool epic things in Star Trek history. Uh, They they are known known, to the general population. And I do have
2: to give a shout out for that sequence. You've got uh, Patrick Stewart and um, Jerry Ryan. Ryan, And they're acting the hell out of that scene. I mean, it's just mesmerizing. And they give them some great lines, some great dialogue. The fact that Picard... Kind of basically loses the argument when he's trying to put down the Fenris Rangers. And by the end of it, he's kind of, Oh, you shut me up. You know, uh, that was just brilliantly done. I I was like, wow, I could just watch these two
1: forever, you know, (laughs) and they get another kind of a bookend at the end of the episode, which I think had some of the, some of the best dialogue in it. Oh, we, Where they talked yeah. about getting getting through their Borg experiences.
0: Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that when yeah. we get to it. Because that yeah. was a scene I'd been wanting to see for like 20 years. Like yeah. literally always thought, wouldn't it be cool if we got Seven of Nine and Picard in a room together? Yes. Mm-hmm. And do y'all think that they know each other before this episode? Or do you think they've, they've only just like read about each other, and know each other through rep- reputation? I got the
1: impression that they might... Just the way that like when he appeared, she appeared and he said, Seven of Nine... Uh, It it sounded like he had a little bit of familiarity, like he's maybe met her at some functions, Uh, you know, maybe he was there when Voyager got back from Delta Quadrant and, you know, had some interactions at the time, you know, in a sort of formal capacity. I I could see him...
2: What there's a Borg on Earth now? I might like, several, two of them, if you count each. I might have to go visit these and make sure this is going to be cool. You know, yeah. I could I could see him making a point of at least checking in on them once he, he hears that Voyager is back in mm. town and that they brought two Borg with them.
0: And Jerry Ryan has talked about how uh, Seven of Nine has probably faced a bunch of like Borg discrimination. We definitely see some of this here in places like Free Cloud, mm. but I can imagine there would still be a little bit of that, like back on Earth and it, even within the Federation. Yeah. Oh, and I think I felt
1: like action figure heist, heist action figure Picard uh, on Free Cloud was leaning into that uh, as part of his villainous role. Was like being very prejudiced <laughs> against him. No. You could argue that he was maybe working out some of his own anti board sentiment, but I think he was supposed to be just really doing it for the moment. I I think he was. Just taking his own
2: inner monologue that he has about himself and saying, This is what would, be, uh, this is the cruelest right. thing he I was, could think. Yeah. This he was like, She's damaged I, goods. <laughs> these are the cruel things I think about myself. I will use that and, yep. and, and, and that's sense. how let's, I took That's that that
0: absolutely scene. what I thought was yeah. going on. Well, let's talk about getting to Free Cloud. Yes. And they apparently don't have ad block on the Lost Arena because <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting spammed with holographic pop ups.
1: I think uh, I, I bet on uh, on uh, free cloud. You cannot block the ads. I think I think that's like uh, the price of entrance into this uh, lawless zone. Where I think I remember in their promotions they were saying it has like high security and uh, what else did they say? Um, uh, that it was uh, um, keeping secrets. Uh, that those were big things there. I, I did like how they're okay. Everybody we
2: are
0: going to Planet Capitalism. Brace yourself; it's <laughs> going to be really awful. <laughs> uh, they all get like a customized ad, except for Elnor, yeah. Who uh, maybe like they figured out like oh, this guy has nothing to trade. Um, <laughs> well,
1: but presumably, have, I think that effectively, there's galactic cookies on the others, and Elnor has been off secreted away. He doesn't
0: have any. He doesn't have any browsing history. There's yeah, no, yeah, browser no browser history. Browser history, history for her, yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, what did
2: you guys think of the Red
0: Bull? Bullion. I like that because bullions are blue, so I like that as like a cartoony mascot. Well, see, I'm
2: like, oh no, we're doing the, what we did to the Tweeleaks in Star Wars. Now bullions come in all
0: colors I, instead of well, just blue. <laughs> I think that that might just have been like a cartoon character used as a mascot in advertising and not an actual. Right. It, but we've we've seen like green bullions and uh, humans come in different colored. Yeah, skin, yeah, wouldn't so I would be. I just don't <laughs> want to
2: see like. Forty different colors of, of, of bullion, like yeah. they've done with the Twi'leks. No, like i like having like blue and green. Yeah. Yeah. Is
1: there a pushback against the multicolored Twi'leks? I just,
2: I thought once every once they started it, they couldn't stop. And oh look, I've come up with a new color for a tweelik. It, it yeah. seemed like every every Star Wars thing I had to have Star their Wars, own colored. Twi'lek. Star Wars
1: being so visual uh, in a lot of ways, I can I guess I can sort of see how that happened. Yeah. I mean, it's not the thing I hate
2: most about Star Wars <laughs> or anything
1: like that, but I'm I'm not sure I want to see the bullions go. Down oh, there. I could name a and
0: bunch I, of things. I hate about Star Wars yes. more than that like but what we'd we'd be here we'd be here all night <laughs> Just name three right now it would, would literally it would literally be 50% of that franchise all right but let's but, move on then
2: um and speaking of bullies, we've got Mott has set up shop here apparently yeah he's um
0: he's franchised. Yes. It, Let's remind people who are like me and might not remember who the character is. Uh, Mr. Mott, the barber from The Next Generation.
1: Who was played by at least two different actors, yeah. I believe. <laughs> Which I'll, well, so just estimate how
0: many appearances an, did he have on the show? Uh, half a dozen. Okay. But anyone who's complaining about, like, the actors being recasted here, uh, that is a Star Trek tradition going back <laughs> to 1986. So I don't want to hear anyone bitch about it too much. <laughs> you can say that you preferred they'd use the original. I get that, and I'm actually in agreement with you. But that's a kind of a dumb criticism to hold over the show. You when Star Trek has done that so many times. You can go earlier than that because of sapphic. That's exactly what I was talking about. Is
1: that 86? Yes. I thought it was earlier. Or
0: 80, or no, that was 84. My bad. Yeah, I was about to say, Star Trek 3 was earlier than that. So. But she shows up in 86 also. Yeah. But, All right. Oh. Star, we're talking about Star Trek threes and four. Yes. But I said threes like there's two of them. <laughs> Three singular and four. Uh, but um, yeah, you want to talk about like the other ads. We get Picard gets like the A tea, the tea ad, house yeah. lady yeah. and uh, Rafi obviously gets an invite to like the snake bite den. Yeah. I did uh, like
2: how and, how telling that was of her personality that she was like trying to close that up before anyone saw Well, that. you know, oh, later and,
1: on when she sees her son... Uh, she, she says, I'm clean now, and it made it sound like it was like even more serious than I thought it was, her drug
0: habit or whatever. Yeah. Well, she could have been talking about her, her drinking also. Uh, I guess so. I but, guess so. Um, and Agnes Geraghty gets uh, an ad from the Free Cloud Institute of Entertainment Robotics, which, of her being like the biggest... Uh, roboticist. Roboticist on Earth. Yeah, yeah. I guess they would... Uh, it's kind of like on um, like Indeed or LinkedIn or something like when you get like spammed by recruiters. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like I said, I think it's like they probably hit free cloud has something that's like scans all the uh, all, all databases that are open uh, to find out what people are what they're about yeah. and uh, pulls that. But- uh, it is a little weirdly it's a little weird for Star Trek to have like a joke. Not, I mean, it's kind of yeah, it's a joke about pop up ads, um, but it's um, I, I think it's within reason <laughs> and, and it was it was funny. It
2: fit with the planet they were going to, exactly. planet capitalism or planet libertarian. You right. know, they, they, It very much fit the style of what we were, you know, it wasn't inconsistent. If they'd done that on sure. Earth, I would have been annoyed.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it would feel a little bit out of place in the at least semi-utopian uh, um, federation that I'd like to see or Starfleet I'd like to see.
0: But before we we set foot on the planet, we learn that uh Bajazel is the the big bad of the episode. She's the one that they're going to have to deal with to get Maddox. She's trying to trade him to the Tal Shiar. She's like essentially a crime boss. Yeah, she's a, a loan lone shark and has like a a small army of minions that are on her payroll and and, and sells uh, poached um Bored bits. Yeah, if this was Mass Effect,
1: she'd be that would be Omega, and she would be Arya, uh, the uh, the crime boss of Omega. Uh, by the way, I thought that uh, I, I her name bugged me throughout because it's so close to the internet jokey uh, term Vajazzle. I don't you know, even know what there that with means. this. It was a it was a thing if you in the social medias uh, many years ago. I'm gonna say like ten years ago or more uh have you ever it was uh vajazzle is a portmanteau of vagina and the bedazzler that thing that people like affix like rhinestones with uh because people were as a weird uh trend rich people were doing this uh to their uh private parts um uh, with like little gems and things like that um anyway it was a it was a running thing online and her name is just way close to it. Uh, to the point where, like, you mispronounced it as Vajazel at some point. <laughs> so, that's all I hear when I hear it. Uh, I'm curious to hear if anybody else felt the same way. Okay.
0: Well, I would hope most people out there aren't demented enough to think about such things frequently. <laughs> like, like Dave is, but... Um... Yes, I, having heard something <laughs> on the
1: pop culture is pretty crazy. We, we all
0: need to be pure, like Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> yeah, he would never stand for such things. No.
1: Uh, but actually, my bigger issue with her was that she was a little cartoonishly cacklingly evil. Um, uh, so that was my, my main thing.
0: Yeah, um, but I don't. I don't mind. I don't need every character in Star Trek to be super complex when they're just such a small role like this. Hmm. But I did love. Uh, th- this had a little bit of that TOS pulp to it, mm-hmm. which we don't get a ton of in more recent Star Trek, mm-hmm. and I thought she kind of contributed to that vibe. I'm done with that. Um, we also learn about the Beta An- Anari character, Mr. Vup, who's kind of like her... A new alien. Yeah, if, like if she was a Bond villain... She Like, if she was Goldfinger, then he would be... Odd job. Odd job. Yeah, he's a... like uh, a top enforcer. Big hulking lizard man, and the species has a very
1: uh, powerful sense of smell, where they can, among other things, tell if you're lying.
0: 1,253 olfactory sensors, and they can smell not only what you had for breakfast, but also the last person you had sex with.
1: Would you have been happier Which, if it was uh one
0: thousand three hundred like forty seven? Yes, they haven't dropped. <laughs> they haven't dropped to forty seven in this entire show so far, as far as I know. I mean, maybe they did. It was just real subtle. <laughs> I think I would have caught it by now. You probably would have. <laughs> um, but they do this cool little heist movie thing that is kind of similar to how they've edited earlier episodes of Picard, but they're explaining the heist. At the same time, you're seeing flash-forwards to, like, the heist and execution. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, or rather, the way I think of it is the the rest of the thing is taking place in the present, and we're seeing flashbacks well, to either, the...
0: Either way, like, yeah, it's, it's... It's the same effect. It's nebulous, It's but... a cool
1: kind of... It's a cool vibe. I, I, I don't know if it's specifically used in, like, the Ocean's Eleven movies, but it feels like the exact kind of thing that's probably been used in heist movies.
0: They before. used it when they did an Ocean's Eleven episode of Deep Space Nine. Before all the the remakes of the original Ocean's Eleven, when they <laughs> when they did their Vegas casino heist, they did a the same mm-hmm. device. Uh,
1: it's it's effective and 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 kind of energized by the uh, composers. Uh, I, don't, I don't I can't quite remember how the music worked, but it was kind of a, like an energetic, either suspenseful
0: or slightly jazzy themes. Um, yeah, we, we should talk about what the actual plan is. Is that they're looking for a broker to arrange a deal with the Tal Shiar, so that these. I say, but, but, but Jazel Jais- and, and, and her her crew, they're trying to turn Maddox over to the Talshiar. So they decide to disguise Rios in this pimp suit yes. to be one of the uh, facers who take like these types of jobs. But instead, he's going to arrange a trade with uh, French pirate Picard. Yes, uh, who's th- this colorful disguise that? Picard but do you explain comes up
1: why that 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 in this on this uh, planet that the larger-than-life uh, looks are to sort of keep people from mixing up the the gangsters yeah. when,
0: and, and interfacers. To add that extra flair, they tell him he needs a feather in his cap, and he literally <laughs> sticks a feather in was, his cap. It was
1: Seven who suggested
2: that, which I also thought was entertaining, that yeah. she was the one who thought the feather was um,
0: the The idea here is that they're going to turn Seven of Nine over to Bajazzle, who is going to want to get to these Borg implants when she sees a scan of her. Mm -hmm. And that will uh, allow them to get Maddox and uh, continue their mission of finding the Sister of Dodge. And that's where we get our DS9 reference. Yes. When the fake credentials that Raffi comes up with for Rios, uh, they kind of have like a a recommendation, uh, a reference on his resume from Mr. Quark of Ferenganar. So I'm thrilled to know that uh, that Ferengi is still out and about, and I would love to see him or learn more about what's going on with him. At well, some, point. he's got a franchise now because there's a Quarks on Cl- a free cloud yeah. too. It'd be so <laughs>
1: cool if he like you know gave them some false identities or something at some point. If not in this season, something to play around with maybe in the future. Um, by the way, was there was there notion as they swapped Maddox for seven of nine? Was there notion that basically they then leave and seven just breaks out? I don't know if they explicitly said it.
0: But I presume that they weren't going to permanently turn around. No, they had a... uh, a, Oh, they were going to beam around. They had a pattern enhancer uh, hidden on Seven of Nine... That they said no one would be able to distinguish this from your Borg implants on scans. Right. So we can use this to double cross them and beam you back at the last yeah. minute. Right, right. And let's just talk about also, like, when they're like gearing up and getting disguised, let's talk about Elnor in the way of absolute candor and how <laughs> he has such an innocent lack of concept
1: of deceit that. He literally, after they've been talking about it for a few minutes, he's like, You're all lying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a little slow to catch that. How kind do, of Drax, Drax from Guardians of Galaxy esque. Yeah,
0: I love the idea of Elnor uh, and the the philosophy of absolute candor and how they can use that going forward. I feel like he is going to be the Spock or Odo of the show, who's kind of like that the the weird outsider. And I love exploring this this concept. Um, I can also see it potentially. Uh, going wrong if they kind of make him like a little too like angsty whiny teenager about like uh, uh, everyone gets a disguise but me or why don't I get a pop-up ad so, I'm
2: more worried about him just turning into the comic relief where he says some dumb thing that he doesn't get it you know every
0: time they that, need that to too. see well in the that reading room
1: they interviewed but. the actor who I thought came off really well and seemed very I, I don't know how old he is 20 something I, I believe he's 20 yeah he seemed but he seemed very mature and I was really impressed with him and he did su- at least suggest a-, a character growth even within the season, yeah. I yes. think, uh, which-, which gave me some confidence in the character. I was actually a little saddened that he didn't have a little bit more to do me playing too. the heavy in an episode where a heist goes wrong... <laughs> and uh, and he's just been introduced in the previous episode as the cool heavy, yeah. um, but I understand this this was a little bit of a time for seven to shine.
0: I I was thinking that he was going to be the one who kind of does what Chris Rios does mm-hmm. and and kind of like saves the day by. Uh, busting out some action. But I am okay with them being a little bit more reserved with Elnor if we get, like, some cool badassery down the road. It's probably good that they don't overuse it. You
1: could argue that Picard gave him the talking to he gave him in the previous episode maybe has him a little bit more cautious about springing into action. It's probably a little bit more reserved If Rios hadn't shot that guy, he would have done it. He would have
2: taken care of it. But he he was just waiting, you know. All right, looks (laughs) like Rios has got this one, so I'll just let him handle it.
0: Right, he's waiting for Picard's okay? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Do you think that Mr. VUP was originally supposed to be a Gorn. How the show, like, keeps mentioning Gorn in here. Like, they're using, like, a reptile species. Like, what if that was gonna be a Gorn and we had, like, this cool contribution to the continuity to the canon that Gorn can smell when you're lying? I mean, the Gorn... I, I, obviously, the makeup job I don't think was reaching for Gorn. No,
2: but do
1: you he looked for, like Killer have, Croc from that, Batman.
0: But do you think that might have been like an initial idea? Then they're like, ah, the CGI is going to be so expensive, we better not do it, right?
1: Or yeah. Gor- we've never mentioned the Gorn scent thing, so that'd be a little weird to bring up now. Uh, I, I could see it. Uh, I, I honestly, uh, I did think about it the first time I was watching, and I kind of wish they had done a Gorn, but I'm,
0: I'm uh, he was a fun he was a fun character. So before we get into like the actual like uh, making the deal and the things that go wrong there, let's talk about like Raffi and what was going on with her character. We meet uh, her son Gabriel Hogg, mm-hmm. who apparently has a Romulan wife and a baby. Right. And thinks Free Cloud is a great place to get medical checkups. Yeah, well, we don't know why he's there.
1: That is a little bit weird. They I mean, were at the... Uh, they're really trying to get the hell away from Mom, I guess. They this were space, really, really <laughs> space planned parenthood.
0: Yeah. But the weird thing here that, that really bothered me about the episode, my biggest complaint is the contrivance when Picard has to go to Free Cloud to get Maddox, Raffi wants to go to Free Cloud because that's where her son is, and Seven of Nine wants to go to Free Cloud because she finds out that's where her arch-enemy is. Right. Uh, it,
1: it making well, her also the perfect person for the exchange. Yeah, well, it was
0: very convenient that all ass- those stars align. If
2: we assume that Maddox, by sort of implication, was buying Borg bits from uh, bed- Bedazzle... Bed- how do you... Bajazzle. Bajazzle. Yeah, because they call her Jay, so <laughs> Bajazzle. It's okay. I've muddied the waters. Bajazzle. Anyway, so if we assume that Maddox was buying Borg parts for his research into, you know, AI and, and, and you know, neural neural networks and stuff... Um, then it, then at least those two things are connected on some level. That that this this Borg and this AI stuff is all tied together. Therefore, Maddox and and Bejazzle is Bejazzle, sa- Sorry, being in the same place kind of makes some sort of sense. It, There's at least a a, a, yeah, a thread
0: it, there. It's still just a hell of a coincidence that they meet right when they. It feels a little like her,
1: but... Star Trek Discovery plotting got sometimes. Yeah, but I I, I got nothing you for, the,
0: for the, the the sun being there. Wh- I have no it, idea it, how that would at least, At least they actually do some techno babble here. They talk about, like, oh, yeah, we'll give you, like, a beta blocker so you can lie. <laughs> and they're not just, like, on Discovery. They would be like, yeah, these lizard people, they have, like, a lie-detected nose. So we're going to give you this cocktail that'll make you kind of, like... Uh, Faux fer-
1: like, the pheromones will make will be truthful pheromones. Yeah,
0: they're making you, like, super deceitful or something. Yeah. I
1: actually wanted to, like, uh, I hadn't thought about it until I watched it a second time that uh, Raffi actually does a ton of behind the scenes stuff. If this was a role playing game, and by the way, this felt like the kind of hijinks characters get into. Y'all gotta it. quit talking about role playing games all the time. Why? <laughs> because, <laughs> because most people don't understand that. People in role-playing games uh, often get into hijinks. That's uh, that's that's the limit of my role-playing game depth in here. Yeah. You how you often have to investigate a mystery or a ghost. Take your D and D characters someplace that's not a combat situation, and you got to heist it. Um, and that's what they were doing. But I was gonna say only is this, that Raffi actually did a ton of stuff to get him in. She got him on the, essentially on the guest list for, to get broke, to, to a brokering thing. And they yeah. found, them, she, found where Maddox was in the Jason. first place. Yeah. yeah. She, she provided the drugs. She's apparently can like whip up a drug cocktail in a in a heartbeat, uh, to, uh, f- fake the pheromones to, uh, to outwit, uh, Mr.
0: What's his name? Vup. Mr. Vup? Not Mr. Fuck, as Dave thought he was called the first time he watched you this. You know,
1: if you have slightly crappy hearing and you don't get the um, uh, subtitles, then I'm just like, oh, wow, they're really leaning into their R rating. <laughs> Mr. Fuck. All right. Um, anyway, um, uh, so so she actually
2: was like doing a lot of the she, work She also here. helped them set up the whole, the, the costumes and, and
0: the performances. She was Yeah. And, and Riosa's that. fake credentials. Yep. Yeah.
1: now what I want to say about the scene uh, you know although these scenes with her son might have been contrived getting there I thought the actress uh what, what's her name Michelle heard Michelle heard I thought she did a really good job in this scene me too um I guess are is, are you Roddenberry was
2: adamant that there weren't drug user drug addicts in the Federation this mm. clearly breaks that
1: rule are you guys okay with that or you, th- you yeah know, I'm okay with uh, it because I, I, like I feel like you can have a broadly utopian civilization that's still it feels too perfect if there's never any problems, and we've seen Star Trek has problems. Yeah. M-
0: Michael Chabon made me buy into it with his Instagram post where he's like, "Oh yeah, that's a Orion vape pen." I'm <laughs> like, "Oh yeah, okay, Orions do drugs. We saw that in Discovery, mm-hmm. so I, 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 I can buy it." Do um... I mean like but, even even Lieutenant Barkley, as a kind of
1: falling uh, falling down Starfleet officer uh, <laughs> was a reminder that not everything is works perfectly. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think we're ever going to find out? What
2: got her? Uh, what drove her to becoming an addict in the first place? I, I think
0: they've already kind of explained that with just like you know, they was just like getting fired and all that stuff. Yeah, she was pushed out of Starfleet. She no one believes her weird conspiracy well, theory. And her to... son has has kind of like pushed her out of his. Well, no, they said that she had the addiction before. Her yes, son. that's what was what I
2: was, what I was yeah. about to say. She she was Picard was kind of fixing her and then Picard quit uh, and left and she fell back into it. I didn't yeah. quite I didn't quite catch that. That's so, interesting. So what was the thing that put her there in the first place? Not her messed up family. That was a, a huh.
1: ca- yeah. an effect of the
0: In of that the case drug. I guess
1: I hope they do show that at some point. Yeah. I um but I think I,
0: like the conspiracy theory part played some role in that. I love how when she's talking to her son, who we should mention by the way, I heard he's played by Cuba Gooding Jr.'s Real life son. So, and after
1: you mentioned that, uh, <laughs> assuming that is true, I, I I saw his mannerisms in the performance, yeah.
0: and, and and I thought he did a good job too. Cuba Gooding Jr. Jr. <laughs> but uh... I, liked, I liked that uh, I liked that exchange between the two of them when he he brings that up, and then like she snaps back into conspiracy theorist mode, and yeah, she's like, like, "Oh, it's real. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, it uh, happened."
1: Do you think? Do you think he was being unreasonable? Like Um, obviously everything is emotionally fraught. I don't, you
0: can't judge them without like knowing their history. Like I've definitely experienced moments of, um, you have like issues in a family like that where you have like one family member who is really angry at the other family member and it felt like real things that people, you know, say to each other when they, they get in those, uh troubled relationships sure she, uh, he, so,
2: about how old do you think um her son would have been 14 years ago when everything went to hell
0: most recently he looks like oh, he's like,
1: in his like mid-20s yeah
0: uh i'd say so so he's probably like a teenager or a uh, younger when and yeah. she he essentially
1: credits her blames her with like the dissolution of their family <laughs> so it's a pretty big thing
2: yeah
1: uh, well, I mean, obviously he's like 17 or 18
2: mom leaving isn't quite as good to be near as traumatic. But I think if what it sounds like he's around 10 or 11 or yep, something, yeah. which that could be very traumatic.
0: No, I did like the one little uh, thing that they did to give it like a little bit more nuance is that he still deep down has some uh, love or respect for his mom because the baby that they're having, they're go- going to name uh, Rafaela. Uh-huh. Which sounds like it's, you know, named yeah. after her grandmother being Rafi. Yeah.
1: That is her full actual name. Rafi yeah. is a nickname. Yeah. Uh, her actual name is Raffaella. Uh,
0: when was yeah. that established? So- uh,
1: I don't know, but I saw it on, uh, I think I saw it on Memory is it, like, Alpha. Memory Alpha page? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's Which I cool. assume is based in, you know, if nothing else, the casting sheets and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so that's, a, that's actually a pretty big deal.
0: That's interesting. He must have some fond memories. Um, it also makes me wonder if we'll ever find out about... Uh, I guess Mister Hogg, who would have been Gabriel's dad, um, the yeah. the other the other parent here. I wouldn't
1: be surprised if that. Uh, I mean, it kind of depends on where she ends up at the, after the end of the first season, uh, if we we see her more. But I doubt we'll. I doubt we'll find out in this season. Find out what? he died in the Mars attack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what if Picard is actually Gabriel's dad? Um, I don't think they're going to do I don't that. Like that. But I, I, I thought it would have been a good idea to have like some romance between Raffi and Picard, and that would kind of add to their kind of uh, history. Um, I, apparently, the show decided not to do that. Though I, I'm tired of and, old men and young women having romances. Well, We Hollywood. get some of that in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I so. know. I'm, just, I don't uh, mean that. Means it doesn't mean I want more of it. So. But uh, let's let's talk about uh, this trade that they do with. Um, they find out that Seven of Nine was lying to them. She actually wanted to—I guess her plan from the beginning was to to kill uh, Bajazel. That that she mm-hmm. she wanted to get to close enough to her to be able to, to hurt her. And because of what she had done to Ichab, which because that they used a character that we knew, and because they established that Seven of Nine did have this this time where she was uh, kind of the more heroic, more optimistic hopeful character that she was able to like grow past the seven of nine we saw in voyager and you know be become how bj's described her when they were talking about like their history mm-hmm. i was okay with them taking her down like this this painful darker path yeah no
2: i i liked it um i i love the reveal how they handled the reveal of her or her actual plan um in the thing with uh with Picard's little line, you know, to, he's answering uh, Elnor's question, but he's looking at Seven
0: as he does it, um, right? Uh, yeah, I like the Picard uh, speechifying that he does when he when he snaps into uh, Captain Picard mode and mm-hmm. out of uh, French pirate mode, and he he tells her that uh, you know revenge is not justice, you know, killing her is not going to bring you any solace, and he's he's doing the Gene Roddenberry uh, future human ideal optimistic do you think thing. It, do you think that
1: felt kind of empty on his part though because this person was so Mengele-esque as a as a,
0: as a killer? No, because I, I would think that like the Fenris Rangers would have like some way to like arrest people or turn them over to authorities or something. Mm-hmm. So I think Picard was probably like encouraging her to like take that approach. Yeah. Um,
1: since it is his show, it felt a little weird to me that the episode I, I felt was kind of like a little more on uh, Seven's side here and was like, Yeah, this person needs to die. (laughs) You know, like we've seen how awful they are firsthand. Uh, It it did feel like a Deep Space Nine sort of moral conundrum that was meant to lead you down a path of shades of gray. So his kind of moralizing felt a little, it felt a little toothless to me. And I I think I found that was one of the things I sort of found disappointing.
0: Again, for me, it felt like Kirsten Beyer actually uh, doing the extra work to make to make me buy into all the other stuff. I, I needed that moment. I needed Picard to uh, give that speech when he when he did. I mean, you think there should have been a
2: better Picard speech at that point, is what you're saying?
0: I feel
1: like he's actually kind of shown the ability to sort of look the other way already in this episode. Uh, you know, he, he's decided that the Federation was downright, or Starfleet was downright criminal in its actions some years ago. Uh, when he was signing up with Rios, uh, and Rios, uh, he, he said that he, like... Uh, what what it he says about like not informing Starfleet of his plans or what? Are they, or not needing anybody to check.
0: What was it he says? You know what I'm talking about? When he needed like a off the books ship. Yeah, basically, like he's already doing sort of off the grid well, stuff. I think that was the hide from the Tal Shiar more than anything.
1: Yeah, uh, I guess I just felt like um, well, uh, seven hundred nine was about to wreck his plan and put everybody's lives at risk. So him being upset, I totally get. But I don't know if I quite see him as moralizing at that time about her not killing this terrible person. Not that he knows actually what yeah. all of the ins and outs of that. I don't know how much he knows about given, this character. Given
2: the way he jumped on Elnor in the previous uh, episode
0: about the head chopping, it kind of felt like, nope, that's the exact same guy we yeah. saw
1: last
2: week. Yeah, yeah and so. I, I
0: loved that last week, and this felt very consistent with that. Yeah. So I guess I, I'm thankful like, that they included it.
1: Yeah. I think I would just like a show, if like the show feels like thematically it's going to support him a little bit. Then then I then I like it. But right now it feels like, um, you know, we're kind of meant to have thought uh, even Will Wheaton, when he was doing the ready room, said that he felt he was justified uh, Elnor and uh, chopping that dude's head off last week. And I think a lot of the audience is going to feel the same way. Um, so I'm almost worried more that thematically that the Picard show may somewhat turn its back a little bit on his principles or make him feel dated for them. Um, and that's going to be one of those things that I won't know for sure until we're, the end. We're also
2: in the middle of the season, which, given it's one being structured largely as one giant story or movie, this is the point of, where we're heading into the darkest area of the story. Fair so enough. Th- if there's a point where Picard should look like fallible and weak and his out of t- out of touch and out of date, this is where we're going to start yeah, cranking. Crank. But
0: I, I, I still don't. I still don't feel that way. I don't. I don't think he's coming off as out of touch and. And, and outdated and we get seven's line at the end about not wanting to disillusion him that no we
1: I'm not gonna break Picard that's why I did it this way you know? well that's that's a that's him her pitying him there yeah. and that's kind of a makes him that makes him look but well, also I don't, I don't uh, think the show...
2: establishes his value of his perspective yes, and who he
0: is I don't think the show like demands you to like interpret it as like oh yeah like Picard was wrong when he said don't kill her she totally needs to be killed I don't I don't interpret it like that it gets very I th-
2: like ds9 we're gonna going to give you the facts and let you come to your own conclusion about who's right and who's wrong about this, which DS Nine did sometimes.
1: I, and I do think that, that, like, the show didn't like give any sort of firm answer on it. But I feel like there's a maybe a leaning to it. I even felt like it felt like it was being subversive in uh, when she exits. And they played the Voyager theme music, which has a heroic timber to it, yeah. only to have her instant go on a kill spree. I love that so much.
0: <laughs> I, I love that moment because not only is it is it Jeff Russo using some more Jerry Goldsmith score, uh, which I love. I love that we have a composer who leans into old music and brings it back just like he did with bringing back the balance of terror of Romulan theme of all things. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to him doing more of this. But then the, the way that, like, the misdirect, where we see, oh no, Seven of Nine is actually gonna go on this murder spree. And I kinda think that Seven of Nine was in the wrong for doing this, but I am still very, uh, empathetic to her, and I, sure. I, I, sympathize with her, her motivations. Yeah, I can agree with that. And I, I think yeah. I, to, to me, I think that's what the story wanted the audience to, to to think.
2: Yeah, well I, I I think they were kind of trying to show both sides, and maybe in the final edit, what gets put on the screen maybe leaned a little hard in the other direction, but given that we're so used to Star Trek leaning in this direction, they might have overcompensated perhaps
0: a touch. But I still think it's an amazing episode. Now, with Seven of Nine killing Bajazel in in cold blood, yeah. uh we should talk about how I think this episode paints the picture that they were previously lovers. Um, I actually didn't notice this the first time I watched this. Uh, I was probably just so overwhelmed with uh, counting gorn eggs (laughs) that this was just a little bit too subtle for for me to pick up on. But when I rewatched this episode, it is certainly clear the, the two of them have some romantic history. It
2: did cross my mind on second viewing, but I said, oh, good grief, you're just reading too much into it. And, but <laughs>
0: Jaisal, I think the big thing is at some
1: point she says something like, you don't know how close we were, Picard, or something like that that has that
0: meaningful yeah. reflection. I mean, I wrote down some of these lines between the two of them. It's things like, you were so easy. You lost me. I'm the only one who got away. Like uh, yeah. I think those are all kind of uh, meant yeah. to have double meanings. Yeah, you,
2: you could be, uh, could well be right there. I I, I don't know. I, I, I'm it's, not 100 percent sold on the idea, but I'm certainly well, willing to entertain.
1: Because it. they didn't make it 100. They didn't. Nobody outright said it, and we we don't know anything about Seven's romantic story. Presently, we can't say for sure. It sure sounds yeah. like it. She, I
0: think she did have romantic interest in men in Voyager, but uh, I think she might have. Uh, expanded her horizons. Or uh, we could just be like... She's uh, always
1: looking to assimilate a new culture.
0: Yeah. We could just all be like perverts who like the idea of like these <laughs> these two attractive women having some uh, if I, sexual history.
1: Uh, just, uh, you know, when they drop hints like that, it's not for nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I did want to say about the uh, heist that led up to the uh, to this confrontation that it is a very fun TOS-style thing with, uh, you know, for sure... Captain Rios uh like that the actor playing him in his kind of pimp hat going undercover was I felt like he was having the time of his life uh t- doing this character Picard oh. Patrick Stewart was having the time of his life as a black suited French villain that looked like he could have come out of a Bond movie all in black leather <laughs> yes. uh, I really enjoyed all of that stuff and you were fine with the the massive
2: tone shifts in this episode or uh, me? Yeah, I mean, there there, there are some incredible, some of the darkest scenes we've ever seen in Star Trek, and we've got what feels like piece of the action. I feel like um, <laughs> the darkest scenes. Uh, what, what was there other than the opening torture scene? Uh the when Seven of Nine blows that girl yep. away after after our 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 right. father right. figure says, "Don't do that." That's the wrong thing. To so do. how
0: cool was it that it was a disintegration? Was, oh yes, I was which... like, "Oh, vaporization is back." Because at <laughs> one point in the '90s, they decided to stop doing that. And then uh, I Enterprise brought it back in one cool moment in season four, and then it's actually a cool thing that, like, Discovery has, has contributed. Yeah.
1: I only wish it had looked more like it did in Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Uh, that's my favorite sort of disintegration effect. Uh, I also like in Star Trek Three the disruptor. Yeah, um, the disruptor on uh, disintegrate. Yeah. But, um, you know, those scenes, I guess, bookended it, and I, I think I had more problem with the Seven of Nine shootout... Um, the uh, for for different for the reasons we discussed yeah. before then I did because of the tonal disparity mm-hmm. I don't mind it having some tonal disparity or rather or just like saying like Okay, there's some lightness, but this is, remember that this is serious at the yeah. beginning and the end. All right. I'm okay with that. It didn't now. bother
2: me, but then I watch a lot of Doctor Who, which goes from horror to comedy back and forth, like, like, whip giving most people whiplash. So, yeah.
1: um, I wasn't sure how other people Bothery. might have viewed it. Tonal, tonal disparity for you? Oh, mean, like, I mean, like,
0: I noticed it was there, but I, I liked that it, the story was bold enough to go in both of those right. places at the same time, and I thought it did both of them well.
2: Yeah. Um
0: I will what? say when we get to the moment
2: where Seven goes down there, confronts her, you know, the second time and blows her away. Yeah. I was like, fuck yeah. It was you, a cool you, scene. I was I was like, Yeah, forget
0: Picard, just blow that motherfucker <laughs> well, yeah, away. Getting...
2: She killed Echeb and she needs to die for Right, this. right. We're getting mm-hmm.
0: we're getting revenge for Echeb. So, and then after the that's...
2: episode was over, I was like where did that come from? I didn't even realize I had that in me. That was just, I was totally on seven side, had no, I was like, that episode pulled out a dark side of me that I didn't even know was in there. Interesting. I was, that's one of the reasons it hung with me for the next 48 hours was because that really was like, I, I had to stop. I was thinking about me and how that affected
0: me and where that came out of me because of that. It also helped that that she looked so cool, dual wielding those guns. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how hardcore Seven
1: was? She appeared, took out the immediate guards, um, killed uh, Bajazel, and then waited for the other guards to show up. To kill them. Yeah, yeah like, She probably like, could have gotten out before she, then. She
0: wanted more of a fight. Yeah. But it's also like as a Finris Ranger, I guess part of their responsibility is to take down people like this. Yeah, she was like, They're, I might as well clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, speaking of the Fenris Rangers, she gives Picard her, uh, I guess, literal calling card. It's yeah. like a little communication device to be able to, to reach her. In case he ever needs a vigilante. Yeah. Which so,
2: kind of means she's probably going to show up before the end of the season, right? Again. If
0: you I, need help, just call. s so, 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 Seven of nine, Fenris <laughs> Ranger.
1: Ranger. <laughs> you think she's going to do the uh, Gandalf uh, arrival at Helms well, Deep? Look, we've on the board cube. We saw we saw seven uh, of nine an army of Rangers. You mean yeah? Uh, look for
0: me at the. I, I would I would be dawn. down for that. I'd be down for that. We saw seven of nine in the trailers for the show before it premiered. Uh, the things I remember seeing of her was her next to like some mutilated Borg parts. Her yeah. shooting two phaser rifles at the same time and her saying what the hell are you doing out here at Picard and we've gotten all of that in this episode uh I don't think she's going to be in a ton more yeah. um but I think they intentionally planted a seed here to bring her back I would think before the end of the season yeah um, I guess it's possible that they might save that for some time in the future, but I, I, I think it was it was so deliberate that they probably already have that planned out and are going to use it. The weird thing
1: about so that... So Picard will have to once again compromise himself and bring in vigilantes to do his dirty work?
0: No, he's going to do what you said you wanted him to do and <laughs> have the ability to like call in all these different favors and bring in... People that he knows to. Well, to I didn't help want out. him to bring in the murder squad, <laughs> just because he wants to make, help the murder squad out. If it's out. Jerry
2: Ryan murder squad, I'm okay
0: with. Yeah. it. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry if this like evolution of Seven of Nine didn't work for you, Dave, but but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And after seeing it, I don't think I would have it any other way. Yeah, this
2: is my favorite Seven of Nine episode. So interesting.
0: She's, <laughs> she's one of my favorite Star Trek characters. She's my absolute favorite Voyager character. Which, like Brian, it, it isn't my favorite Star Trek show, but I I, I think I. I I found more to like in it than I, th- I think he did, uh, but Seven of Nine is clearly a highlight for me. Like when I'm watching the first three seasons of Voyager, uh, I am always kind of like, okay, like some of this is really good, but it- the show gets so much better when Seven wins. <laughs> I had like a massive like uh, kid crush on her going back <laughs> to like uh, 1998, I guess. Um, I-, I was I was like in love with Jerry Ryan for. Uh, half my life, and I, I really, really, really uh, am am thrilled to see her back. And that conversation we get between her and Patrick Stewart about uh, maintaining their humanity, yeah, you know, like oh, reclaiming that was their so humanity. So good. I I wanted that like literally for for uh, like over twenty years. I've wanted to see this conversation between Picard and Seven. See, I thought
1: that was probably my in a weird way. That was maybe my favorite scene of the episode.
2: Yeah. Um. I have such negative feelings to Voyager and I'm actually rewatching it at least some episodes and finding there's more to appreciate. But, uh, that, that when people would say, Oh, we should, we never got a seven of nine Picard sh- scene. And I'm like, "Yeah, Voyager was crap. I don't need to see that. Now that I've seen it, I'm like, Oh my God, that was so good. What was I thinking? Um,
0: <laughs> uh, that was, yeah, amazing. And it's something I would have thought just a, a few years ago, Yeah, uh, as recently as, as four years ago, I, I probably would have thought like that'll never, ever, ever happen. Not not in the, not with the actors. I mean, maybe in a novel or a yeah. comic, but um, well, the, well, they they've met in the other stuff. Like there, yeah. like there, there's literally a comic book about the two of them coming together to fight Borg. I did like that Seven got some real clothes that they didn't put her in they, the cat they, suit. they got her out of the cat suit. suit.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, that was that was a relief. <laughs> Which I, i That's pretty cool. She looks like she's from Firefly now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't really mean that as flippantly as it sounded. They look cool. But. I mean,
2: they could have said, oh, well, she's the Fenris Ranger, and here's the Fenris Ranger Batgirl costume. Right.
1: And Do you they think could that have is... gone, leaned into the, Do you, you think... know, yellow spandex or whatever. If Do you think wanted. that is actual, like, Fenris Ranger gear? That they all kind of had that sort of, like, I want to say almost like a kind of a cool
0: desert raider look. Nothing to them. about it screamed uniform. No, I, I mean. think that's just I, I what she wanted to wear. Yeah, I was. think they, they probably wear what they want to wear. Yeah. In I, fact, uh, I would think it would be lame if they show more Finris rangers now and they make them all like dress like how Seven was dressed here. Uh, that's, that's, what the, like, that's what
1: Ashara <laughs> that's what Yar a same, zillion years ago had. They had like uh, a rebel group with a uh, with uniforms.
0: It's, <laughs> the, it's the same stupidity of having like uh, establishing a desert planet where. You have your old space wizard wears a robe, because that's what, like, a bunch of people on this desert planet wear. And then later, you make all the other space wizards wear, like, the same brown <laughs> robe.
1: Oh, and uh, you think we need to stop making RPG references? I'd <laughs> 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 like show you your third Star Wars for the episode.
0: <laughs> but, um, uh, I think the last thing we have to talk about uh, is going to be Agnes and Maddox, and we learn more about their history. Uh, I feel like I always have to call her, call her Dr. Gerardi. I don't feel close enough to call her
1: Agnes... Or Aggie, as we heard. This <laughs> well, episode. the people
0: on the show they they say Agnes more than Doctor ah, Gerard. I just so. mean me personally. Yeah. Well, you you do what you need to do. <laughs> but we see like a little home movie of her and Bruce Maddox uh, baking chocolate chip cookies, So yep. that was like a cool Star Trek thing to do. Is like, oh, I replicated the ingredients because I wanted yeah. to make it myself. No, that and, was wonderfully clever. Yeah, I enjoyed and, that. Uh, we we see, but we see like the two of them kiss, and and she's watching this, uh, you know, sad. She's crying. Which we later learned there's uh, a lot for her to be sad about. Um, But uh, so, so we learned that uh, she had this romantic relationship Mm -hmm. with her boss. Um, That happens. Yeah, it (laughs) happens. Uh, Who's significantly uh, older than her? (laughs) Yeah. But uh, that's not necessarily an unhealthy thing. Um, But she ends up murdering him. Yeah. Uh, after yeah. they're, they're reunited in sickbay yeah. yeah she
1: it, did the equivalent of the yeah like uh put a injecting something into his uh like
0: drip <laughs> equivalent and, and we got this set up previously in the episode where like she's nervous she's stressed out to the point that the emergency medical hologram activates and says what is the nature of your psychiatric emergency yeah yeah um, and and, but she put a bad block on him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, it happens again, uh, here when, when she is, is doing the murder, but it's like the dialogue they gave her where she's, and, and the way that Allison Pill performed this, it totally conveyed absolute reluctance and how she is so tortured and says that she wishes she had never learned what she's learned, but she's so terrified of whatever this Zotvash secret with, the AI, whatever Commodore O oh told her, uh, outside of the Daystrom Institute that one day, it, it is, is so terrifying that it, it's, it's making her kill this man that she loved. We Myster-
1: presume then that it was something more than showing her like a Zotvash YouTube video of conspiracy theory stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, there's it was
1: something convincing.
0: And, <laughs> and the, the fear that I have here is that they're setting up this incredible mystery that just like, it shook me to the core when I watched this the first time. And I was like, "Oh my god, that's like the most intense hour of TV I've watched in a long time. What the hell? I have to know what's going on here." But it's setting up an e- extremely difficult thing to deliver on, <laughs> and, and this needs to be a huge payoff, or I'm going to be extremely disappointed. So, Father, off Mike, we uh, you you had mentioned that po- the
1: possibility that the Commodore is Vulcan. Um, well, the
0: show has told us that she's Vulcan, but that could be a lie.
1: Okay. But I do think that if she did a uh, mind meld with Dr. Girati that's one of those few things where I could buy that she was she saw something as so truthful and so convincing because she was seeing the truth of it as it was in the in the mind uh, of uh, Commodore O yeah that it was that it would be enough to influence her yeah if,
0: if she was look into my mind see that I'm not full of shit yeah this is undeniable and you're gonna have to accept it at face value
1: because i'm not sure yeah. what else she could have done other than it's some queer crazy magic prophecy stuff and i'm saying this is going
0: to have to be like a hell of a payoff so yeah. i'm a little worried i'm a little worried going forward
1: yeah i had figured
0: oh she's been
2: brainwashed or under mentally controlled or something and that that's why she was going to kill him cuz i figured out she was going to kill him pretty quick but um, but no, she's, she's a true believer as far as how it's portrayed. She believes the secret and yeah, she yeah. believes the secret requires Maddox's death. I don't think and anyone saw him. that coming.
0: I, no one saw that, like, well, oh we yeah. Well,
1: she might be traitorous. Right, yes.
0: but no one thought, like, oh no, she's actually, like, uh, still, like, a good guy. She's still, like, a good person. and when, right. And she's actually just been convinced that... Oh my god, this guy needs to die. The Zotvash are actually onto something, uh, that, that is, is terrifying. I don't think anyone had predicted that. No. So no. it was kind of cool that everyone kind of had like these theories, like "Oh, I can see it coming; she's going to be a traitor." No one predicted it like this. Yeah, true. And and I and think she's it's a cari-
2: good. it does seem weird she's carrying around this horrific secret, and it's all bouncy and chipper and making jokes about space and stuff like that. If she, if this is supposed to be such a burden for her, uh, you know, she she's was a- mainly
1: doing that in the the previous episode. And I, I could almost see that as nervous energy as she's trying to figure out, like, when it comes time, will I really be able to do it? Yeah. In this episode, she was straight up anxious and kind of
0: nervous about she, everything. If you go back and watch, like, the first two episodes with her, she's, uh, like, a pretty confident person, you know, talking to Picard. Um, she does immediately come off as, like, a little bit off-kilter. After the conversation with O, as soon as we see her after that, she's always, I guess she was still kind of, like, calm and level-headed when she had that conversation with Rios about the emptiness or not emptiness of space. Or when
1: she but, told Picard that she's coming with a, she's coming, he, he's well, taking well, her. no, like, she was pretty confident there. No,
0: she seemed pretty freaked out when she, like, walked in on, like, the, the, Chateau fight with the Zatvas. Yeah, like, but she,
1: but when she was trying to convince Picard, when she's like, "You're taking me with
0: you." Yeah, when she's given her resume to him. She, yeah, she seemed pretty convinced at that point. Yeah, um, yeah, but um, there, there's definitely been moments here, uh, post O, we'll say that yeah. that she does she does come off as uh, she herself is a little shaken.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, well, this, and, and a lot of like you know how how good a job they did with the writing and and all of that we'll we'll have to see exactly what she learned before we can kind of fully yeah. judge it. Yeah. Yeah. I did wonder for a ship this small what's the name of
2: the Picard ship? The the Lost Serena. Yeah. The, for a ship this small, it has a huge sick bay. Yeah, that's why that what I is thought. a hell of a that's a bigger sick bay than I think what well, than like
0: some of the ships in the show have had like some of the enterprises have had, I think. But I think they've said that they like this ship that like the sets that they've built, yeah. like kind of like connect together like the actual size oh, of the right. ship. Yeah, and, and maybe the it, maybe it's dual use maybe that's also the
2: lunchroom or something back there but uh because there was a table with chairs
0: I, I was surprised at the at the set like I'm surprised like they didn't just like show them doctoring him up like back in the, the cargo area or something yeah
2: um the other thing I liked about this scene is
0: we get to talk to Maddox a little bit yeah we should talk about all the uh the information that he dumps before his death he yeah. has that conversation <laughs> with Picard yeah oh. well
2: the, the the thing I that struck me most I was I was cool to hear the info but but we already knew where Soji was anyway or so right uh, so- but, but, so-
0: but now Picard but, knows so yes he, now we can get Picard going to the, the artifact the on. artifact and he actually yeah. knows Soji's name so he can stop saying Dajas yeah <laughs> so Dodge's he can just
1: pull up next to the artifact and be like I- is there a Soji on board pardon, yes. <laughs> pardon me do you have any Soji or <laughs> if he wants to be sly about it is there a Soji on board <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, this time I shall wear the eye patch on this eye. <laughs> right. uh, Who we
0: actually didn't see in this episode. This is the first episode to be void of
2: Soji on the Borg Cube. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was not our first episode to the be. Podcast. Uh, <laughs> podcast
1: to be <laughs> free of that. Um, but I, I did like... feel a little glad to not see the incest Romulans. Yes. I did like- Yeah, no
0: Romulanisters this week. (laughs)
2: That Maddox clearly cares about the robots he's built, the androids he's built. He's clearly upset and sad that uh, Dodge is dead. Um, and you, you, in context, you, you realize, yeah. Data fixed Maddox.
0: Yeah, I and love that is... they, they didn't undermine that measure yeah. of a man ending. That yeah. he has he has like this respect for Data as a as a genuine life form. Yeah. And, and that it made him a better. Uh, would would yeah. you call him like a cyberneticist, I guess? I think so. It made, it made Roboticist, him a, yeah. cyberneticist. It, it made him a better robot doctor.
2: Yeah, I, but I, it, it wonderfully supports Rod, the whole Roddenberry idea that you can fix these people, that Maddox yeah. could have been so easily written as some sort of crazed bad scientist, which is kind of the direction they were headed for at yeah. the beginning of Measure of the Man, sure. but they totally
1: went with the idea that Data fixed this guy. I kind of and wish... I like that. And I know that they, I don't know where they would have worked it in time-wise. I kind of wish we could have actually seen him somewhat express that. We um, could get another flashback. Next episode could have five
2: minutes, six or seven minutes of him Building robots or something—that's possible. But I,
0: I mean,
1: for me, like there was something that I, I like. Assuming that maybe a viewer hadn't seen that episode, What you know, to see how important data is to him right now, I don't know if they would have felt it just from what they've seen of
2: the yeah. character. You might um, even get Brent Spiner in a flashback with him.
0: Well, there, there's another thing is that he tells Picard, or you know, he tells uh, Aggie, yeah. as, as he calls her. Which every time I hear that, it makes me think of like Texas A and M. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but. Um, when when he says uh your work contributed to this and but he also mentions like Dr. Sung like uh i guess the intent there is that like he's saying like he used Sung's work from like you know the creator of data yeah. um well the first time i watched it it made me wonder like is Dr. Sung still alive somehow did he like Put his memories in an android body, like he did in the David Mack novels. Um, I, I, I don't know if they want to go into that, but there would be a way for like Brent Spiner to come back and and play Doctor Sung again yeah. somehow. No, that would actually be fun. But yeah, the um, the idea that the 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 mom that Soji and Dodge have talked to—that was just like an AI to kind of like keep them safe. And that's what, like, activates them, or I guess puts them to sleep if they're in danger. That, the reason why they were sent to the Daystrom Institute and to the Artifact is because Maddox is trying to investigate what actually happened with the synth ban. It seems like there are Romulans and Federation, uh, players involved in this. And the Tel destroyed his lab, but it, it kind of sounded like he might have sent Soji and Dodge after his lab was destroyed. Um, maybe that's what like t- after the Tal Shiar blew up his lab, that kinda like tipped him off that like, oh, there there might be uh more than what meets the eye with this this anti Android sentiment that's so uh prevalent now.
2: Yeah, Rafi and Maddox talking comparing notes could have been a wonderful scene.
0: Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Like he might have been like, "I'm into the conspiracy theorist shit too." And yeah. like, Here, here's all I, the the clues I've learned. She's like, "Here's all the clues I've learned." And they'd be like nice... high fiving, and
1: finally, somebody who gets it. You know, finally, <laughs> no. someone who knows about the contrails. Yeah. If, <laughs> yeah.
0: This also makes me wonder if if Rafi is on to discovering something. Would she be like the next target from from Doctor Gerardi? No, that that would be interesting to go to as well.
2: That'd be a dire- direction. So, guess we'll find out on that one. Though. No. But does uh, anyone else have
1: any uh, final thoughts on this? Seven of Nine TV series. I'd be down for that, um, because the main thing that I've wanted out of any new Trek is actually for them to pull a little bit away from the action stuff. Uh, not ever permanently, but uh, but a little bit, so somewhat from action track movie style. Uh, I think I'd be the lone nay vote on that. <laughs> so I would want something that shows how
2: she
0: became the Reign... You know, sort of a prequel well, thing. But she could also that's... do, like, science stuff, too. Yeah, Because, yeah. like, she's... Like, they actually say in Voyager that she's probably the most brilliant human alive. Because she has all that Borg knowledge still sure. in her brain.
1: I think that's why I... And part of that is why I didn't want... Uh, I'm not immediately happy that she became essentially an action hero. Uh, that I... Honestly, even if she was working with the Fenris Rangers, but was not, like, some kind of frontline fighter... I'd almost prefer that, even though it also makes sense that somebody who's a badass bored person. Well, once she discovered that. those Batman comics, in the, the database
2: <laughs> it was all over. Yeah, and <laughs> she, has a, like,
0: she had to become a vigilante. Uh, yes,
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep an open mind on it, but it's not the direction I would have chosen for her. Um, so, so yeah, that one. Uh, uh, although I was happy to see her back, I thought the actress did a great job. I liked individual scenes, just. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, this episode will end up being, I think, something of a misfire for me on that department.
0: Well, uh, we'll, we'll see how it develops and how she's used in, in future Star Trek. Uh, she could potentially come back in, in various shows now. Who knows? The, we're in sure. the, the new golden age of Star Trek and there's uh, endless possibilities. Uh, but we'll go ahead and count up the gorn eggs of this episode, which yep. there were a lot of. Um, starting at the very beginning when we see Maddox drinking Tranya, the, <laughs> uh, beverage of choice. Uh, that was um, the
2: one that felt gratuitous to me.
0: That was the only one I was like, really? <laughs> What's wrong with, with, with like certain beverages being like reused in Star Trek? Like, I, I think it's fine. It, like Tranya's only shown up, what, three times? I, I don't know. It, it wasn't
2: like a huge thing, but I, I did kind of roll so my to, eyes for a to
1: finish the the, the, the baseline idea though, this was first introduced in the episode, um, the car- 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 Carbomite Maneuver. Carbomite Carb- 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 Maneuver.
0: Baylock was drinking it, played by Clint Howard, as a l- creepy-looking little kid. Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> well, I would totally drink Tranya with that weird kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, it
2: also seems like it's not a Federation drink. It's not a Romulan drink. It's some... The First Federation drink, or whatever. Isn't that what she... Balok is from, the First Federation? Yeah. So... It's just which, good. I mean I guess good. you can certainly say it became integrated into the rest of society, but it, it feels like an odd choice <laughs> to be. that's Baylock's
1: lasting contribution.
0: So, <laughs> unlike
2: Sari and Brandy or something, which is clearly supposed to be popular throughout the Federation.
0: Um, landing on Free Cloud, we get a ton of Gorn here. We see a sign for Quark's Bar and for Mr. Mott's haircut emporium as we established, so both of them have apparently franchised. Uh, we also see a Dabo table establishment. In the bar, Chris Rios orders a some Tibby Lagoon, uh, named after a actual place on the vacation planet Riza. Uh, so, an we, actual
1: place on this fictional world.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, sure, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I love that he had to be so extra with his order and ask for an, an additional umbrella <laughs> in his drink. That that really uh, played into the idea of like these spacers are all like. Uh, Pimp-like, larger-than-life <laughs> personalities. Very flamboyant. We also, in this bar, get a mention of Mr. Quark of Ferenginar, and also the Breen, a s- species established in Next Generation in DS9. And uh, those are all the Gorn eggs that I picked up on, but if you saw any other ones, be sure to let me know. Uh, also, I'm trying to figure out why the ship Echub served on was named the USS Coleman, if you have any theories on that, be sure to uh, comment on our YouTube video or tweet at me or uh, hit us up on our Facebook page and let me know there. And if you have any thoughts about this episode in general, let us know, and we might share those with everyone else next week, uh, because right now we're going to share some of the feedback we got on last week's episode. So Dave, what do we have in the subspace transmissions?
1: All right, so a few Twitter responses to uh, Absolute Candor. Trek on the Tube says, in my opinion, the best of the show so far. Some very emotional moments, great action, superb guest performances, and a fantastic cliffhanger. Rachel, waiting for Picard Kirk, uh, says, I loved it. I thought it was only 20 minutes in when it ended, and seeing Seven again was a delight. You know, I think uh, several people have had that reaction on, uh, on Picard episodes where they do sometimes suddenly end. Yes, yes. And you're like, whoa, I thought there was more to come um did, did discovery had of some somewhat longer episodes a little a few more hour yeah. hour and five minutes
0: but, but they also did some that were only like 39 minutes but picard has consistently hit like 45 yeah they say pretty
1: true to it uh rachel also says uh also seeing a happier picard playing with a child was lovely i agree that was nice over in facebook land adam b owen says so another solid episode even though we're getting long-form storytelling here, I do like the standalone nature unique to each episode so far. The idea of a warrior Romulan is a nice addition to the crew. They're really giving us a more varied cultural look at Romulus, kind of the same way Deep Space Nine, TNG, and Enterprise did with Klingons. Over on YouTube, uh, Theatonia says, When they recreated Picard's den, that was when I was sure Seven was showing up, uh, because that is the shot from the Comic-Con trailer. Good catch. Good catch. Red Ketchum says the Romulans going crazy after joining the Borg could be the Talshiar have put telepathic viruses that mess up the Borg.
0: I don't know. Does that make sense? Well, here's the thing: we know that the Federation had the ability to mass murder the Borg, uh, going all the way back to the third Borg story ever in Q or no in a uh, I Borg. Yeah. So I, I think it would actually make sense if some other race, someone less moral than the Federation, attempted a Board massacre yeah but uh i don't know if there's enough evidence there to to back that up but uh who knows it could be it, it could be possible
1: and uh arguably uh starfleet was would have been happy to do it they just uh unfortunately picard was the guy who made the call yeah for them yeah admiral Nachev yeah. scolded his ass and in, in dissent she did yeah. i wonder if she later apologized since he did infect them with individuality <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know that sounds so new agey
0: <laughs> but I, it is it is
1: weird. we they now have
0: unwee <laughs> in, in this in this new um in this new status quo of, of star trek now that we're uh decades past uh where we left off before in, in the Berman era ex-borgs are a thing that's like a common thing like yeah. this thing are they that, call them xbs yeah that's like a, a thing that exists in society so Um, I would like to learn more about if there's been, like, a weakening of of the Borg collective post-Voyager. I think that makes the most sense. Um, But I I would be curious to uh, explore that a little bit more. That, uh, like, uh, the Borg have kind of become more normal. And now there are uh, fairly common uh, cases of people who have been pulled out of the collective. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I know I've heard people say that, you know... The Borg lost what made them scary early on, and it's true they kind of can't be that again, except in small bursts. Like if they maybe they're going to get activated yeah. on the um, artifact, you know, something like that. But I like that there's an arc and a trajectory to their story. It makes it feel more real to me that they don't just stay an omnipresent and terrifying enemy forever. Okay. Uh, it's it's kind of cool to see them somewhat dealt with. Yeah,
0: it could have been very easily to keep making Star Trek in 1987 when they were going to do the second live-action Star Trek show to keep making, like, the Klingons, the big bad guys. Right. And uh, I'm so glad that uh, Roddenberry decided, like, no, that's dumb. Let's let things evolve. Let things change. Yes. Let this universe grow and alter, and alter just like our real world changes constantly. i like yes. this
1: note to end on.
0: Yeah, so we're, we're going to go ahead and leave off of uh, Stardust City Rag, but we will be back next week, Sunday, to discuss... Star Trek: Picard, Season One, Episode Six, "The Impossible Box." Nice. So, until then, as always, live, live long, and long and prosper, y'all.
2: Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com/text-trek, and follow Fathery on Twitter at txtrek. Please support us by liking our
1: videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you, and take care.